Well, I want to. I want to take. Uh, not, I'm not going to take long tonight, but I. We do want to take a little while. We want to talk a little bit more about heaven this evening. And so, turn over, if you will, to Revelation chapter 21 in your Bibles tonight. And man, we've heard uh, some great singing about heaven tonight. And what a blessing as it's encouraged us and and edified us and helped us get ready for the message tonight. I think probably the introduction is about as important as the message that I'm going to give you. And so Revelation chapter 21 in your Bibles and when you find your place tonight, it's, uh, if it's all right, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to begin in verse number 9, read down through around verse number 12. How many are glad for a copy of the Word of God? Amen? Wow, what a blessing. Revelation 21 and verse number 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. That's where we'll go tonight. You may be seated. And uh, I want to talk to you about the paradise tonight. What will heaven be like? And, uh, and so anyway, we talked about uh, the place. Where is heaven? We talked last Sunday night, we talked about the population. Who is heaven for? And then tonight we're going to talk about the paradise what will heaven be like? And so, give me just a few moments. I don't think it will be super, super long. Uh, but let's pray and get into it tonight. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary. Lord, what a service. What a great service. We appreciate a wonderful time of worship tonight. And Lord, you've reminded us of so many wonderful things through music tonight. Lord, that's what music's all about. Lord, I think that what music was designed to do, it did tonight. And we just thank you and praise you for a wonderful, Lord, a wonderful musical part of the service. And now, Father, as we take just a few moments and organize into a Bible study, I pray that we'll say or do something that would honor you and glorify you, uh, Lord, something that will lift up the name of Jesus, something that will remind us, will remind us of just how great you are. And then, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, what we talk about tonight in the next few weeks, I pray we'll encourage folks that don't know Christ to come to Jesus. Lord, people not only have a hell to shun, but they have a heaven to gain. And so, uh, Lord, help us, uh, help us to, to make careful, to be careful that we don't miss the sweetness of heaven. So we pray for the uh, spirit of the, of the Holy Ghost now. God, I pray that you'd anoint us. Heavenly Father, the best we know how we plead the, the precious blood of Jesus Christ over this service, over this people, over this pastor. And Lord, we know that the powers of darkness would love to, to try to take away from this service. 
Um, Lord, they're not going to enjoy the, the pleasures of heaven. And so we're just so, so thankful that we're a part of the church, that blood-washed throng. And, and so, Lord, I pray that you'd accomplish your will tonight. Uh, Lord, lead us, and I pray that you'll guide us, and we thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. You've heard me tell this little story before, but uh, I think it fits right here. A dad and his little boy were in the car one day, and they got to going down the road, and uh, and didn't realize it, but when they had uh, opened the doors and got in, a bee had got in the car, and uh, as they were going down, probably the interstate, going down the interstate, well, this bee began to fly around, and uh, the little boy was just terrified. He was afraid that the bee was going to sting him, and so he was, he was uh, petrified and just um, really beside himself and just fearful and full of anxiety. And finally, the dad, sort of out of desperation, the bee wouldn't go out of the car. And so the dad finally just sort of reached up and he grabbed, he grabbed the bee. And then just a moment or so later, he let the bee go. Well, when the little boy saw the bee fly out, fly out of his dad's hand, he, he uh, uh, was terrified again. And the dad said this to his little son. He said, son, he said, you don't have to worry about that bee stinging you anymore because he stung me instead. And he said, see right here, son, and he showed his little boy, the stinger was right there in his hand. He said, son, he said, the bee left his stinger in me. And I thought about that. You know what, truly, when the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, he took the sting out of death. Amen. He really lived, didn't he? And that's why, that's why a funeral for, for a child of God is so different than a funeral for a lost person. And I know sometimes the world looks on and they think, man, what in the world? I went to a funeral the other day for a saved person, and man, they were singing, and, and uh, uh, there were some folks that testified, and somebody even said amen, and the preacher preached a message, and I've even been to some funerals where folks responded to an invitation or responded to the altar call. And sometimes the world looks on and they're like, man, what in the world? How can... These Christians, how can they have a service like that? And the answer to that is this, that Jesus Christ, our Savior, took the sting out of death. Now, I said that to say this. There's something else. The reality of heaven also helps ease the sting of death or ease the pain of death. Now, it's still hard. When you lose a loved one, there's just no easy way around it. I mean, it's tough. When you lose a spouse or a child or maybe a grandmother that you just love to death and, and uh, she cooked for you and you spent time with her and you were so close to her. And uh, listen, when a loved one passes away, there's still that pain and parting. But I'm going to be honest with you. When we know that they have went to heaven, it really does. It really does remove the stinger out of death. And when you begin to learn about heaven and just how great heaven is, it at least helps relieve some of that pain when you lose a loved one. Let me illustrate. If I came to you tonight and I told you that Miss Tammy and I were leaving in two weeks, we're leaving. By the way, we're not. By the grace of God, we're not. We have no plans uh, unless the Lord would move us. We have no plans of going anywhere if you'll have us. And, uh, but if I came to you and I said, hey, church, just want to make an announcement. Uh, Miss Tammy and I, we're leaving in two weeks. We're moving away. And uh, now, I'm going to be honest with you. Boy, there'd be some pain in parting. 
uh, because we wouldn't be able to fellowship like we once did. But, but hang on just a minute. And so I get up here and I say, church, Miss Tammy and I are moving away. We're moving in two weeks. And, uh, but I just want to let you know that we are moving to Maui, Hawaii. And we have a beautiful place there the Lord has given us. We have beachfront property. We have palm trees. We have a beautiful home we're going to live in. It's going to be 81 degrees year-round, every single day, no humidity. We're going to have white sand. I mean, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Hang on, hang on. And then I said to you, and you can come and visit anytime you want to. And stay as long as you desire. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, you know what? You have to admit something. That would at least take a little bit of the sting out of of partying. Why? Because, man, you know, number one, we're going to a great place. But number two, you're going to get to come to that same great place. A few weeks ago, Tim and Hannah moved away to California. Most of you know that. And, well, that's tough. I mean, it's tough to see your children move away, and especially when, they're, they, when they move away so far. And, uh, you know, all the grandbabies, except little Barrett, you know, all the grandbabies are, are uh, 2,500 miles away now. And, and so we get to see them by FaceTime, and that's about it. And, uh, and that, that's tough. I mean, that's really tough. But let me tell you something that, that sort of eased the pain just a little bit, knowing that Tim and Hannah were moving to California. And that's this, that we knew that they were going to be reunited on the other side with some other family members. And we knew that Zach and Amber were going to be gaining some encouragement and some help. And we knew that Tim and Hannah were just moving out to some place where they weren't going to know anybody and but they were going to be moving out there with family and, and they were going to at least be able to fellowship out there. Now again, you know what? That took the pain, at least some of the pain out of them leaving. Uh, you've heard the little story. A mom was uh, sending her little girl all the way across the country. She was going to fly by herself and she was going to meet with grandma and grandpa. And, and so mom got her backpacked and she took her to the gate and they were getting ready to send her on to the plane. And she said, now, honey, she said, we've got everything planned. And she said, I'm going to watch you go into the plane. And she said, when you get there, she said, grandma and grandpa are going to be there to meet you and greet you. And they're going to take care of you. Uh, she put the little carry on bag in her daughter's hand. And she said, now, honey, she said, you're not afraid, are you? And the little girl said, Mama, a little, a little, but not much. Because she said, I know who's waiting for me on the other side. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That takes some of the pain out of parting and uh, makes heaven very, very sweet. Now, let me talk to you about several things tonight. Number one, I want to talk to you about the producing of heaven. The producing of heaven. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, how many know this? That heaven is literally going to be out of this world. It really is. Thank God, by the way. The more and more I live in this world, the more I'm glad that heaven's going to be out of this world. Uh, And it really is. Now, think. Think with me tonight. I want you just to think and use your minds tonight. The Lord created the heavens and the earth in six days. In six days. That means every animal, uh, which the, the number is limitless, every animal, every giraffe, every buffalo, every hippo, every eagle, every zebra, every alligator, every elk, gazelle, parrot, gorilla, elephant, squirrel, chipmunk, and on and on and on it goes. The Lord created all those animals 
and some of them are uh, very unique in their design, and some of them are uh, look what we would call ugly. Others of them are very beautiful, and uh, the Lord created all of those in just six days. He created every tree that we enjoy today in six days. The apple tree, the oak tree, the pine tree, the maple tree, the palm tree, the pear tree, the orange tree, the almond tree, the banana tree, the redwood tree. If you go out uh, to the west coast and see those beautiful uh, redwoods down, we have a God that created all of that that we enjoy in just six days. He created every single river. I'm talking about the Euphrates, the Tigris, the Jordan, the Mississippi. He created the Mississippi River. How about the Amazon that stretches over 4,000 miles? Our Lord carved that out with his hand, spoke it into existence, and and did all of that in six days. He created all the beautiful oceans that we enjoy, the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean. That's always cold, by the way. It's always cold. I don't know how those people even get in it out there. The Mediterranean, the Indian Ocean. In the Arctic Ocean, and on and on. The Lord created all of that in six days. You say, okay, preacher, okay. You, are you trying to make a point? Yeah, I'm trying to make a big point that the Lord created all those things, all the sea creatures, all the rainforests, all the barrier reefs, all the mountains, all the valleys. He created all those things in six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. Now, you say, Pastor, what's that all about? I'm just trying to give you some perspective. How many of you have ever been to the Biltmore House in Asheville, North Carolina? Quite a few of you, I'm sure. We've been there. My wife and I have been there. We have visited around Christmas, and it's absolutely, it's absolutely beautiful. And so it took George Vanderbilt six years to build the Biltmore House. How many have ever been to the Empire State Building in New York City? Been to the top of that? Anybody? Several of us have. Yeah, we have. The night my wife and I went up there, the wind was blowing so hard that night that Miss Tammy was afraid to even get close to the edge. I mean, that's how, that's how uh, hard the wind was blowing. It took a year and 45 days to build the Empire State Building. I know that several of you here tonight have been with us to youth conference, and you've been with us to the Sears Tower. How many have been to the Sears Tower? Several of you have. And now that they've got those boxes, those glass boxes, you can go out and stand 109 stories straight up, and you can go out and stand in those glass boxes and look straight down. And uh, it took three years to build the Sears Tower. And I'm just wondering about this one. Is there anybody here tonight that has ever visited the Great Wall of China? Anybody? Y'all need to get with it. Amen, you need to get with it. And hey, it took 20 years, they tell us, 20 years for them to complete the Great Wall of China. It was 1963, 1963, uh, uh, when a man by the name of Walt Disney got in a plane and flew over a swamp in a place called Orlando, Florida. And that's what it was. It was a swamp. And alligators and lizards and marshes and all those things, 1963. And he purchased that swamp down there. And Walt Disney World opened in 1971. Now, if you go down there today and just drive around 
uh, Walt Disney, it's almost like they've got their own little individual city down there. I mean, it's just amazing. The road systems and the resorts and, uh, and the parks and all those things. And all of that was built in 58 years. 58 years. Now, you say, preacher, big deal. Well, it's a pretty big deal. Because I said that to say this. Our creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been creating us a place for 2,000 years. He's been working on this place. John chapter 14, the Lord said this. He said that, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then the Lord said this. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also now if the Lord did all that he did in six days can you imagine what heaven is going to be like after 2,000 years it's going to be something to see uh, listen no wonder George McDonald said, if we knew as much about heaven as God does, we would clap our hands every time a Christian dies. Amen. Now, it's sad when we lose a loved one, but if we really knew, if, if we were able to have a revelation like the Apostle Paul did and we were able to see into that paradise when one of our loved ones passed away and we knew that they were born again, man, we would say, wow, I am so excited for them. I mean, wow, can you imagine what they are experiencing right now? And so the producing of heaven, but then I want to talk to you about this, and we're going to be done. Number two, the paradise of heaven. So what's heaven going to be like? What's it going to be like? Well, let me just, and, and some of these, I'm just going to spit them out, and we'll go right to the next point, and six or seven points tonight. How about this? Number one, heaven is going to have gates of pearls. Now, take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to Revelation chapter 21, and look at verse number 21 with me tonight. Revelation 21 and verse 21. Boy, I tell you, if the Lord wouldn't have put this in here, we wouldn't believe it. But I'll promise you this, you can believe it. And Revelation chapter 21, verse number 21 as John is describing this heavenly Jerusalem, this, this uh, uh, beautiful place that you and I are going to enjoy one of these days, in verse number 21, he says, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. And then he says this, every several gate was of one pearl. Man, think about that. All 12 gates in heaven are going to be a solid pearl. My wife and I, a couple years ago or so, we were able, we were privileged to go to, uh, to the city of Jerusalem. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget as we drove from the Galilee area and uh, made our way through the, uh, through the desert. And, and the closer you get to Jerusalem, the more desertous it becomes. Uh, when you're out in Galilee and that, that area, there's, you know, scrubs and, and uh, bushes and a lot of olive trees. Olive trees are everywhere in, in the Holy Land. But as you get closer and closer to Jerusalem and you go up, when you get go to Jerusalem, you always go up. And when we're going up to Jerusalem, it just got barren. I mean, there was nothing but sand. It was just, uh, there was no bushes. There was no grass. There was nothing. But I remember as we were making our way up the highway into, into the city of Jerusalem and we had some Jewish 
people with us. And they begin to sing. They begin to sing a song that, uh, that talked about Jerusalem, the, uh, the, the greatness of Jerusalem. And, and as we made our way up there, I'll never forget, man, as we got out of, the, out of the little bus there and we went over there to the Overlook. And honestly, we were just, we were in awe. I mean, we couldn't believe that we were actually standing on the Mount of Olives right outside of the city of Jerusalem. But one of the things that we noticed as you look at the city of Jerusalem, the gates, which there are eight of them now, the gates around Jerusalem are massive. They're very large. You can be a, you can be a long ways away and you can see those gates uh, from a long ways away. They're very visible from a distance. Now, wait a minute now. Can you imagine, church, one of these days, when we go to heaven, a heaven that the Lord's been creating for 2,000 years, and we see that heavenly Jerusalem, and each one of those gates, each one of those 12 gates are a pearl apiece. Now, I don't know what kind of oyster creates that, but, but uh, anyway, each of those gates is going to be a pearl. I'm telling you, it's going to be something to see. So number one, heaven has gates of pearl. Number two, heaven has a golden street. Now you're in Revelation 21. Look at verse 21. The Bible says in the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. Look at this. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. Now again, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go to the next point. But I'm just saying, can you imagine walking on a street of gold? And the Bible says that this street of gold is so pure that it's like glass. It's going, to be, it's going to be just as shiny as can be. And the things that people fight over here, we will walk on them over there. Uh, you know what? It's really sad. Even sometimes a lot of churches get sort of all messed up about money. And, uh, and sometimes churches, even churches. I'm talking about churches that got it to spend. I'm not talking about a church that's struggling, and, and there are churches like that. I'm talking about churches that have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, don't want to give $500 to a missionary. You know what that is, my dear friend? That's carnal. That, that's, that's wrong. That's, that's wicked stuff, what that is. And, uh, and churches, a lot of times, will even fight over stuff like that. Well, man, thank God, one of these days, we're going to walk on the things that people fight over here. Number, number next is this. Number three, heaven has a glorious river. Look at Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 1. Preacher, what's heaven going to be like? Is it going to be like, you know, Hollywood's version, you know, just clouds and we're going to be like, you know, these little fat cherubs, you know, and we have a harp and we're, you know, strumming this harp and that's what we're going to do for eternity? I hope not. In fact, I know not. That's Hollywood's version of heaven. But that's not the biblical version of heaven. Heaven's going to be a place Heaven's going to be real. Listen, you talk about living. When we get there, we're really going to live. And so look what it says here in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So there's going to be a river in heaven. And the Bible says about that river that it's going to be proceeding. So that tells us this. This river's going to be moving. It's going to be moving. And then the Bible says this, that it's a pure river of water of life. Now, what does that mean? So I looked at that, that phrase, water of life. And it means this. It means the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate or animate. 
In other words, what John is saying is this. When that angel took me over to see this pure river of water of life, John said it was proceeding, it's moving. It's coming out of the throne of God. It's moving. It's a moving body of water. And then John said this. As I looked over into this pure river water of life, clear as crystal, he said, you could see smack dab to the bottom. He said it's a river of life. In other words, there's something in the river that's animated, that's moving. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You say, preacher, are you, for even a half of a second, trying to insinuate that there might be fish in heaven? That's exactly what I'm insinuating. Yeah. I don't know how many of you here tonight like to go out to the river and I know there's a few. I see some of you. And uh, you enjoy going out to the river and, and throwing a hook in and, and uh, fishing. And I'm just saying this. Listen, did you know that God will never be outdone by what this world has to offer? And so I'm not saying I understand all of that right there, but I do know this. John said it's a river of light, clear as crystal. It's moving. And he said there's things in this river that are, that are uh, full of vitality and they're animated. Uh, in other words, something is moving uh, in this river of water of life. And so heaven has a glorious river. How about this? Number four, we notice that heaven has gorgeous landscaping. Now look at Revelation 22. And verse number two, Revelation 22, verse number two. The Bible says, in the midst of the street of it, now watch closely, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, again, notice that. In the midst of the street of it and on the either side of the river was there the tree of life. So I thought, I, I wondered if I could find some pictures of what people believe heaven is going to look like. So have, I found this one. And I wanted to put them up on the screen for you tonight just a little bit. And so this is someone's idea of what heaven is going to be like. They've got the uh, river of life. I'm just guessing that maybe the, some of the trees there are... The trees of life. Uh, here's, here's another one that I found. And I, I like this one. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think either one of these pictures are accurate. Amen. Let me tell you what the Bible is saying here. In the midst or in the middle, in the middle of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. So if I'm reading this right, what the Bible is saying is that in the middle of the, of the street of gold, it's going to be garnished with the tree of life. And then on each side of this river that is flowing with life, crystal clear, on each side of the river is going to be garnished with the tree of life. Now, again, I'm just thinking, man, as I was coming down the road tonight, I thought, you know, I can't wait to see what Miss Lady or Miss Harriet is getting ready to paint. And so in heaven, there's a street of gold. There's a crystal river. The tree of life runs down the middle of the street, and then at the, at the river of life, on each side of the river of life is garnished with this tree of life. Now, I'm just, I just said all that to say this. It is going to be a beautiful, beautifully landscaped place. How about this? Number next, there's going to be great mansions. Now, 
We're going to turn away back just a moment if we could. Turn over to John chapter 14. We just quoted this, but look at it with me, if you will, tonight. John 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And look at verse number 2. John chapter 14. And this is our Lord speaking here. And he's trying to encourage. And it is encouraging. And in John chapter 14 and verse number 2, the Lord says this, In my Father's house are many mansions. And look what he says here, church. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, I want to say this, church. I don't believe that God is, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense to me that our God would ever be outdone. So, okay, so one of these days we're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, wow, Lord, this is nice, but it doesn't compare to Hawaii. Oh, Lord, this is nice, but we went to Fiji one time and, and boy, this really, heaven's really nice, but man, Fiji had a lot to offer. Are you kidding me? Do you think for a half a second that, that an earth that has a curse on it, one of these days we get to heaven that this earth is going to be more beautiful and more... No, sir, brother, when we get to heaven, it's going to absolutely blow your mind. And, and one of the things the Bible says about this place is that there are going to be many mansions. Now, I know there are some versions of the Bible that say, well, it shouldn't be mansions. This word ought to be translated rooms. That in my father's house are many rooms. Now, listen to me. I know what it feels like to live in a room. But I don't know what it feels like to live in a mansion. So one of these days when I get to heaven, if, uh, if, the, if the father's house is full of rooms, I can say, well, Lord, this is nice. This is sort of like what we're used to on earth. I don't think so. Not even a chance. You know what? You know why the Bible says mansions? Because there's going to be mansions. You're right. You've heard this. You've heard this. Little, some of you have heard this little story. But uh, a couple, couple of few years ago, we went out to Los Angeles to meet with the children, and and uh, Brother Zach had learned his way around just a little bit, and he said, "Daddy, said I'm going to take you to a special place today." And he said, "I'm going to take you to a place called Franklin Canyon Park." And, and I, 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 was, I was like, that's great. Let's do it. And so Franklin Canyon Park. What is significant about Franklin Canyon Park? By the way, it's not a super nice park. It's an old dirt road pot, potholes in it as you make your way down the mountain. And uh, when you get there, it's, not, it's dusty. It's not super beautiful. But the thing that makes Franklin Canyon Park so great is that there's a water reservoir down there. And it is the place where Opie throws the rock in. And we're big Andy Griffith fans in our, in our house. And so he said, Dad, I'm going to take you to the spot where Andy and Opie are walking down the trail and Opie throws the rock into the pond. And I was like, man, we got to go. We got to go. I want to go. And so sure enough, we uh, went to Franklin Canyon Park and we, uh, you know, it's really not even that nice going in. I mean, you just make your way down this curvy dirt road and you finally get down there. And I mean, really, I didn't see a lot of picnic tables and stuff like that. And uh, uh, there was a, a, a production company was shooting some kind of a movie or something down there the day we went. But anyway, we went down and we walked around 
the reservoir. And we talked to one of the park rangers. And he said, yeah, just, he said, if you want to see the spot, he said, just walk right around here. He told us where to go. And so anyway, it was great. We had a great time. And so uh, when we got done, we got back in uh, Zach and Amber's car. And, uh, and Zach said, Dad, he said, you know, there's one other way out of here. He said, if we don't go back the way we came, there's one other way out of here. But he said, it looks like it's just this little tiny, tiny little hairline of a road. And he said, let's take this road. Zach and Amber's motto, you know, you don't know till you go. That's what they say, you know. There's been a few times when we went and, boy, we prayed hard. And so anyway, anyway, so we're going down this little, it looks like a little one-lane uh, road. In fact, it really was. We, we met a car, and we had to get way over to the side so the car could get by. And we're in the wilderness. I mean, it's just nothing but bushes and desert and rocks and and I thought man where in the world are we at I mean we were in the middle of nowhere coming out of Franklin Canyon Park and all of a sudden when we got to the end it took a little while when we got to the end of this dirt this old dirt dusty road we came out into a community called Coldwater Canyon and when we sort of came out and all the, you know, everything got behind us, the mountains got behind us, all of a sudden, all we could see was mountains full of mansions. We didn't know where we were, but what happened was we came out right smack dab in the suburbs of Beverly Hills, California. And there were mansions. Church, I'm telling you, when I say mansions, I'm talking mansions. Am I telling the truth? It was mind-blowing. Our mouths were hanging open. We couldn't believe it. I'm talking about houses so big, so large. I'm talking about people have a, and, and there's no flat land in Los Angeles. It's all like this, you know. I'm talking about people that are so rich, they've got full-size tennis courts and basketball courts built out over the mountain and fully lit. And, and so we drove up into the hill there, and man, just, and it's all private, you know, it's all gated and all that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, just knock your socks off. Now you say, preacher, why'd you tell that story? Because I believe one of these days, when we get to heaven, it's going to be like that. And we're going to walk in and we're going to say, man, huh, this is amazing. And so there's going to be great mansions in heaven. How about this? You're going to like this one. Number six, heaven will be a place of generous size. Now look at, uh, look at Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 16. And so the Lord said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, and so, uh, let's look at how big heaven's going to be. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 16. And John is, uh, is there and he says, And the city lies four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Look at, look at what he says. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And so best we can tell, this is about 1,500 miles. And the Bible says that it is 1,500 miles wide. It's 1,500 miles long. And this one we haven't quite got figured out. But it's 1,500 miles high. Now you say, Pastor, what does that mean? I'm not exactly sure. But that's okay because he knows. And so 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high. And I was trying to, one day as I was studying that, I was just trying to make sense of that. Lord, what does that mean? I mean, 1,500 miles long, I got that. 1,500 miles wide, I got that. 
1,500 miles high. What does that mean? So I begin to think. So in our earth, we have a mountain called Mount Everest. Mount Everest is one of the highest peaks in the world at 29,035 feet. That is about five and a half miles high. And yet heaven is 1,500 miles high. Now, again, I'm just, I said all that to say this. Our Lord will never be outdone. I'll promise you that. And heaven's going to be an amazing place. One last thing I want to give you. Number seven, we notice that heaven will be a place of glorious reunions. Look at Revelation 21 and we're done. Revelation 21, and look at verse number one tonight. Heaven will be, will be a place of glorious reunions. Revelation 21 and verse number one. The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Look what he says. John says, And there was no more sea. No more sea. And I wonder about that. You know, my wife and I, we love the ocean. Now, we like the mountains, but we love the ocean. There's just something captivating about the ocean. And I'm thinking, Lord, why would you not have a, a sea in heaven, something that's so beautiful to look at? And it was like the Holy Spirit said, Son, there will be no shortage of beautiful things to look at in heaven. But let me tell you why I believe there will be no sea in heaven, because the sea is a symbol of parting. It's a symbol of separation. Uh, listen, people are separated. Our military families, a lot of times, are separated by oceans. They're not able to get to their loved ones because there's something, there's a great divide that separates them, and that divide is the ocean. But we're thankful that in heaven, there'll be no more partings. In heaven, there'll be no more tearful separation. And so those people that have went on before us, one of these days, we're going to be glorious, gloriously reunited with them and forever and ever and ever, there'll not be any more separations. There was a little black boy and he was on his deathbed and a missionary came to see him and, and the little, little black boy was happy. And he said to the missionary, he said, I'm getting ready to go be with Jesus. I'm going to go to heaven. He said, I'm going to see the Lord, and I'm going to be with him forever. And, and the missionary asked him this question. He said, if Jesus were to leave heaven, what would you do? And the little black boy said, I'd follow him. And he said, well, suppose that Jesus went to hell. What would you do then? And the little black boy got a big, gigantic smile on his face. And this is what he said. Oh, there's no hell where Jesus is. He said, the presence of Jesus is heaven. And it really is, isn't it? Oh, listen, aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ has prepared us a place? And I'm sure that George Vanderbilt and he did. He built something amazing in six years. But our Lord's been preparing a place for 2,000 years. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. Very simple. But Lord, I pray that it's been a blessing. I pray that it's helped somebody. Father, I pray that you'd encourage us. 
Lord, just about every one of us here tonight have loved ones that have already passed on. Lord, we have somebody that's waiting for us. Lord, I didn't know most of my grandparents. I didn't know. I have a granny. God, she's waiting for me in heaven. My wife and I have a child that we've never had the opportunity to meet. And that child's waiting for us in heaven. Lord, we have loved ones who know Christ, who went on before us. And God, one of these days, we're going to be gloriously reunited forever and ever and ever. Father, thank you for heaven. Thank you for this wonderful encouragement that you're giving to our church. Father, it could be there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know that they know that they know that they're on their way to that wonderful place. And Lord, if that be the case, would you help them to come tonight? And Father, we would love to have the opportunity to show them how they could know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So Father, help them to come. And then Lord, I feel very sure that there's somebody here tonight who has loved ones who are lost. And God, they're not on their, their way to that place. And Father, maybe tonight, Lord, you'd burden somebody's heart to make their way to this old-fashioned altar and just pray for that loved one. Maybe a spouse, maybe a child, a teenager. Father, maybe a, a daughter-in-law or son-in-law. Maybe even somebody here tonight has a mom or a dad that's lost or a grandpa, grandma. Lord, that, that they're good people, but they don't know Christ. And Lord, tonight, we just come and just, Lord, we just beseech you to work in their lives and to save their souls. Have your way in this invitation and speak to hearts, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Just a question. Is there anyone here tonight? I, I promise you this. I won't embarrass you. I won't come back and try to drag you down the aisle. But I'd love to pray for you tonight. And that's all I'll do. I'll just pray for you. But I wonder if there might be one here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Pastor, I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure about it. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere with every head bowed, every eye closed? And right now, you just very quietly slip up your hand and let me pray for you right now. Thank you so much. I'm going to pray. I appreciate your honesty. Is there another? Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to this wonderful place. Preacher, I want to go, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm saved. And right now, you'd slip up your hand to let me pray for you. Is there anybody else here tonight? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you tonight? God bless you. Amen. I'm going to pray. <clears throat> I'm going to ask our personal worker team if they just very quietly make their way to the front tonight. They're going to be up here in the altar this evening. And if you need to come, listen, there's going to be somebody here to meet you. You know, sometimes, every once in a while, you go to a church and, and, and folks come to the altar, but they don't really know what to do. And uh, so we have some folks up here in the altar, and they just like to very quietly, quietly take the Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. And so I hope you'll come. And if you're watching the live stream tonight, 
and you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. We have some people right now that are waiting by the phone and they want you to call. They want to share Christ with you. And so I hope you'll call tonight, 704-327-5662. Would you, would you stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Calvary, would you help us pray tonight? Man, let's be burdened for souls. And so, Father, right now, God, I pray for these that are not sure that they're on their way to heaven. God, what a place. Lord, what a place to miss. Lord, I wouldn't want to miss heaven for anything. God, we, we know that, Lord, there is a, a better life. As the fellows sang tonight, there's a better place that's coming. God, please help no one to miss it. Father, those that have slipped up their hands tonight and said there's a need, would you give them courage in just a moment? Would you give them courage to step out and to come down and let someone share the gospel with them and show them how they can know that they're going to go to heaven. We're not going to make them give a speech. We're not going to make them do anything like that. We just want to take the Bible and very quietly, we want to show them how they can know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So Father, would you give them courage to come? And then Lord, others that may be coming tonight to pray for lost loved ones. Father, I pray that you'd bless these prayers and hear these prayers tonight. And Father, save these that are lost and undone without Christ. Have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Hey, if you need to come, would you step out right now? Would you step out? We've got somebody up here that would love to help you. Would you come? Would you come? I'm going to make my way to the floor as well. And we're going to be here just for a moment. If we can pray with you or we can encourage you in any way, listen, you come. You come tonight. While we wait, while we wait, you come.